And if you got your Bibles, we are in Acts chapter 17. And uh, I do uh, just want to thank the church uh, for the past couple weeks being able to go out and serve on mission um, in different ways. And uh, so thankful to Pastor Michael who preached a couple weeks ago, Pastor Charlie who brought the word last week. And uh, it's, it's a blessing to be back with you. I missed y'all so much and prayed for you often. And uh, so Acts chapter 17, if you got your Bible, um, I, I have, I've been so blessed to have really a front row seat to God at work in a lot of different ways, just over really the past four to five weeks. I mean, we just rewind just a few weeks ago, uh, we had the awesome opportunity to host VBS, it's just an amazing time, and seeing all those young hearts gathered and uh, incredible uh, caring leaders who are investing God's word into these kids' lives. And, and, and from that, the fruit of gospel conversations with these kids and, and just what a blessing it was to, to be able to see that happening. And then I think there was like a week in between and then it was Windshape Camp and had the blessing to, as a, as a faith family, partner with other churches in our community and to be the host site for Windshape Camp and just again kiddos running all over the place, having an incredible time, caring leaders, investing God's word and the gospel into their lives, answering questions like who am I, why am I here, and, and even from that the gospel conversations that flowed from there. I'm thankful for uh, the opportunity to just a, a little over a week ago to be able to go to beach camp with our student ministry and to be able to go and to worship together and to grow together and see those gospel conversations happening. I'm thankful to get text messages from, uh, from parents about gospel conversations they're having with their kids. I'm grateful for the opportunity to have just spent seven days with, uh, with an incredible team of people who said, I will go. And for the past seven days, went and served, uh, served King Jesus on foreign soil uh, and just had the opportunity to be able to partner with a local church and a local pastor down there in La Parrique. I, I believe the, 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 and so thankful for Brother Tommy and he was our team captain and kind of leading our team and everybody in the different ways they served. I believe they've been down there 19, 20 times somewhere in that neighborhood, and then for the past three years, this was the third time going back to the same community, which is amazing, because what happened about two years ago was they went and, and, and partnering with Pastor Yvonne, and there was just like a, a blank plot of land, and then last year they went, and a church was built, and then this time going back, now there's a little addition that's been built on to the mission home there, and it was just, it was just amazing to have that partnership our church a partner with another local church in another part of the world and and again pastor Yvonne sending his love and prayers to our faith family here it was just it was an amazing amazing time and so I'm thankful for all of these opportunities to see and experience not only the gospel conversations but the life change that results from them and to be a part of a faith family that by God's grace, we will never forget why we are here. We'll never forget 
what the purpose of, as believers in the Lord Jesus, why we have been rescued, why we have been saved, and that is for the glory of God and for the mission of God. And seeing that played out over the past even just few weeks in all kinds of different ways has been an amazing, amazing time. And so, uh, again, I just want to say thank you, church, for praying. Thank you, church, for giving. Thank you, church, for going. And I mentioned, uh, maybe a little tired, but it's a good tired, right? I actually had uh, Mr. Al Getty, if any of y'all know him, he's amazing. He was in the, the, the first hour, but he called me this morning to make sure I got up because he didn't want to preach today. So, so I'm glad that we're, we're here, and, and, uh, and it was just such a good time. But here's the thing, in chapter 17 of Acts, Paul is a good tired. He's a good tired. He is right in the middle of his second missionary journey. From chapter 16 to chapters 18 is Paul's second missionary journey. And what we have seen in Acts is the fulfillment of what Jesus said was going to happen. If we go back to Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus had his disciples gathered there on the Mount of Olives. And he told them, he said, you're going to receive power my Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And from, from that gathering of believers of about 120 in the upper room and the Holy Spirit fell on them on the day of Pentecost, from that moment, the gospel went from Jerusalem out to Judea and Samaria and now we are, we are in the ends of the earth. And we see this playing out throughout the, throughout the Word. And so in this second missionary journey, Paul and Silas and whomever might be a part of that team, they are now making their way, uh, heading up into the region of Galatia. And it was while we were there, that while he was there, that he was in a place called Troas. And while he was in Troas, he had a vision. God gave him that vision of a, of a man in Macedonia saying, we need you to come. And so this is just an encouraging word for all of us. If God gives you clear direction for your life, a vision for your life, follow, <laughs> like go. And that's what Paul did. Paul said, we're going to Macedonia. And they go and they landed in a town called Philippi. It's, it's, it's where we, we get the letter of Philippians. It's to that church. And, and in Philippi, Philippi, Paul preached the gospel as was his kind of his mode of, of operandi, if you will, his MO. He goes, he goes to the synagogue, he preaches. A, a lady named Lydia came to faith and and likely the church at Philippi was at her home. And, and while he was there, uh, Paul and Silas were actually beaten and, and they were placed in prison. And at midnight, they're singing hymns. I don't know if you're up singing hymns after they have been beaten for your faith. This is what he's doing. They're singing. The earthquake happens. God frees them up. The Philippian jailer comes to Christ. His whole family comes to faith in Christ. And then they're on to the next city. It's, it's an incredible Incredible journey that our brother Paul is on. But here's what Paul said. And I believe this is a great, a great reminder. Because it can be easy to lose sight of the purpose for which God has rescued you. And here's what Paul said to the Philippians later a little later down the road, he says this in Philippians 3, 12 through 15. He says, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. 
Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies ahead, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. Paul's purpose was Jesus. That was his purpose. From Philippi, Paul continues to walk with courageous, bold faith. Like each step is a step of faith. Courage, bold. To pursue the purpose for which God had rescued him. We have been rescued for a purpose. I hope, I hope you hear that over and over. We need to hear that over and over. We've been rescued for a purpose. And so what we see is that for Paul, this purpose for him, it superseded every other purpose in his life. It was greater than any comfort that he could have. It was greater than any discomfort that he would experience. It was greater than any pleasure in this world. Greater than any prize that somebody could offer him. Greater than any dollar amount because Christ was his treasure. And for Paul, God uses everything that we've experienced in our lives. He doesn't waste anything. And as we live yielded to him, he will use your vocation. He will use your past. He will use your relationships. He will even use your physical address where you lay your head down at night to fulfill His purposes for your life. And by the way, when He's king, He has he, he can move any of that around He wants to. Right? And He may do that. And He has done that. Perhaps He's done that in your life. And so this morning, I want to make four observations of world-changing faith. Because what we're going to see is from Acts 1-8, from about 120 believers in an upper room, to Acts 17, the, the opposition says this about the church. They say, you've turned the world upside down. So how do you go from a little town in Jerusalem to turning the whole world upside down? And so we're going to walk and we're going to see this in the scriptures that we walked through this morning. So Acts 17, verse 1, the Bible says this. It says, now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia... They came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. So they had just left Philippi, and from Philippi to Thessalonica. Thessalonica is the capital city of Macedonia. Macedonia is this big region. And so in the course of three days, Paul, a beaten and bruised Paul, by the way, has traveled 100 miles. Possibly some of that on horseback, we don't know. But what we know is the distance of these cities and in three days, a hundred miles. Macedonia was this massive city, about 200,000 people there. It was located on a major Roman road. A major Roman road called the Via Agnatia, which basically connected the Western Roman Empire and the Eastern Roman Empire. And so Paul's, Paul's style would be to be drawn to these kind of epicenter large cities and and he would go in and he would faithfully proclaim the gospel message and people would hear the gospel message and they would respond to the gospel message not everybody we're going to see that many responded churches were planted and out of that church the holy spirit would call out believers then to raise up and go to those surrounding areas all around that community and that's what's happening and so just think about paul's life for a moment from the moment he was saved on the road to damascus from Damascus to the desert in Arabia, back to Damascus, to Jerusalem, to Tarsus, to Antioch, to Cyprus, two cities throughout southern Turkey, Lystra being one of those where he was left for dead. Then he went back through Antioch, then back to Jerusalem, then back to Antioch, and now, again, we see he's in the 
middle of his second missionary journey, facing opposition, rejection, persecuted, left for dead Lystra, beaten there in Philippi, and yet this brother continues to move forward with great faith. Why? Because Jesus was his treasure. Jesus was his prize. Paul's goal was clear. Jesus. That was his goal. And so, here is one mark of world-changing faith, and that is this, a commitment to obey Him no matter what. And a, a commitment to obey Him no matter what. We see this demonstrated in Paul's life, passionately, courageously, obediently moving from city to city, having gospel conversations, churches being planted, equipping people to take the gospel out. Willing to be obedient even to the point of death. So much so that in Philippians chapter 1, he says this. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Like He lived life in such a way that it was like, if, if I die, it's actually gain. But to live is Christ. And this was, this was his journey. And so the question that we got to ask is, so what, what, what about us? What about you? What about me? And we read this and it's like, I'm no Paul. And here's the, here's the encouragement. You weren't made to be Paul. There's only one Paul. And there's only one you. And there's only one you and God has rescued you by His grace. He's placed His Spirit in you. He's equipped you with His power to be a witness to wherever we go. And we see this lived out in His Life. You've been rescued for a purpose. And so this world-changing faith is made up of faith-filled, obedient steps. He reveals His purpose for us as we walk in obedience to the light He gives us. Everybody's journey is different. Every single one of us are going to have a different story. All of us are going to find ourselves at different stages of life. Some young, some older, some you know, pursuing different things and, and that kind of thing. But, but here's the thing. Uh, so often we want God to like break the spotlight out and like shine it and say, show us where you want to take us, God. What do you want to do? Where are you leading? Where are you go? But what he does instead is he says, no, listen, my word is a lamp into your feet. It's a light to your path. So you lean on me. You soak your heart in my word. And what's going to happen is I'm going to give you the light for the next step. And then I'm going to give you the light for the next step. And then I'm going to give you the light for the next step. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Every single one of us woke up and by God's grace, we have another day on the path that He's laid out for us. And they're made up of faith filled, obedient, courageous steps, one in front of the next. And here's the thing, that's going to look different for every single one of us. It's going to look different, but world-changing faith, faith that turns the world right side up, as we'll see, is made up of obedient steps. Obedient steps. You might not move to another city, but God might call you to walk across the street. To introduce yourself, perhaps, to that neighbor you haven't had an opportunity to visit and to begin that relationship, you, uh, your next step might not be to be a preacher. And maybe you're like, ain't no way, <laughs> right? I thought that too, just so you know. Um, 
But here's the thing, it might not be to be a preacher, but it might be to invest in preschool ministry. It might be to invest in children's ministry. It might be to invest in student ministry. It might be to invest in whatever way. His Holy Spirit's big enough to reveal to you where He wants you to go. On Thursday, I believe it was, we went to what's called the Good Shepherd Children's Home. And it's this home there, right, in the, right there in the mountains, there in Honduras. It's an oasis. It's a beautiful place. Uh, children live there uh, who have no mother, no father. And you have missionaries who have surrendered their lives to serve as house parents down there and to, to love and care for these kids. And so you may be like, there's, there's, there's no way. Like, I could never, like, go be a house parent in an orphanage somewhere thousands of miles away, but it could be that God is calling you to consider foster care. It could be that God is calling you to adoption. It could be that God is calling and putting on your heart to provide a home to nurture and care a child that desperately needs nurturing and care. Your step might not be to be a foreign missionary. Like, I get it. We, we served along some amazing missionaries down there. That might not be you. But it might be that you need to get a passport. And it might be that you have that passport so that when God does say go, whether that's on a mission journey or whatever that may be, you're ready to roll. Because here's, and I'd share this with the 8 o'clock, I would like show you all my cards, okay? Like my, my goal, my hope, one of my prayers is that as much as possible, we have as many people serving on mission locally and globally as possible. That that is, that, is, that is the desire because what happens is when you're in those settings dependent on the Holy Spirit, God does a fresh work in your heart. I believe we'll see more people called to missions, more people called to serve in different ways. My wife, I've shared this with, with y'all probably many times. My wife was a missionary in Brazil. If you were to go up to her and you were say, hey, like, why, why did you go? How did God call you? She would be able to trace it back to when she went on a mission trip. And so, so just this encouragement to go and to serve. It might be that you, your step is asking forgiveness. Your step might be granting forgiveness. Your next step might be baptism. It's possible that you've received Jesus as the Lord of your life, but you've never taken that step of making it public in baptism. And so August 15th, we would love to talk with you, to, 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 to talk with you through that, but we're going to be celebrating baptism. And so it's, maybe that's your next step. Perhaps it is to accept Jesus as the Lord of your life. Perhaps it's rededicating your life to the Lord and to His work and to His word but there's always a next step every single one of us have a next step and so world changing faith is made up of those obedient steps no matter what a second mark is committing to soak our hearts and minds with his word verse 1 of 17 says now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia they came to Thessalonica and there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. Paul loved the Word. 
Paul loved the word. Paul treasured the word. Paul was so familiar with the word that as he would go into these towns, he would go in these cities and he would go into the synagogue, that he would be so familiar with the word that he would meet these Jews there and the synagogue gathered there. He would meet them where they're at and he would take the scriptures and he would show how the scriptures point to who Jesus is. He loved, he loved the word. And it says that he would reason with them. I love that word because it's another way to say discussion. In other words, Paul had gospel conversations. That he was acquainted with the word enough to be able to have a conversation with them. And I, I want to share this, and I hope it comes out the right way. All right? Uh, I am a grace guy. Okay? Like, like, praise God for His grace. Amen? Like, praise the Lord for His grace. Right? His grace is so good. We live in grace. We operate in grace. We're saved by grace through faith. Uh, we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. Nothing I've ever done or nothing that I have have done or will do, could ever make God love me more. His love is unconditional. Grace, 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 amazing grace. But God has called us to follow Him. And so by Christ calling us to follow Him and His great co-mission is to go make disciples of all nations, baptize them, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. To be a disciple, that word comes from the word discipline. And so to be a disciple, there must be discipline in our lives to, to yield our hearts and soak our hearts in His Word. That we would be so familiar with the Word that we can reason and have discussions with people who are seeking the Lord, who are seeking truth. We must know the Word. That hearing, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. Sometimes uh, I, I love, uh, I, we had so many great discussions on our, in our time together. And some of those questions that would pop up would be like, well, how do you share with somebody who is a Muslim? Or how do you share with someone who is a Jehovah's Witness or, or, or Catholic? Like different backgrounds, like how do you do that? And I think it is important that we're equipped to, to know those kind of core truths, beliefs, how to bridge those conversations. But I would say you witness to them the same way you would share a reason with anybody else. And that is go to the Word. Go to the Word. Reason with them from the Word. That way it's not my Word and it's not Brother Bill's Word. It's His Word. It's His Word sharing His Word. I love Hebrews 4.12. It says, The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Paul wanted those who were going to listen to know what to believe and why to believe it. So God help us. God help us to soak our hearts in the Word. Soak our hearts in the Word. And the whole Bible points to Jesus. Old Testament points to Jesus. New Testament points to Jesus. The whole book is about Jesus. Even when the Jews were trying to kill Jesus, here's what Jesus said. John 5, 39, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they, the scriptures, that bear witness about me. He's like, listen, the word is all about me. Our only hope for salvation. It's all about me. It's all about Christ. So we got to ask the question. What about you? What about me? 
What about, what about us? You may say, have you seen my schedule? Have you seen my schedule? Hey, do you know what it's like to live in my house? Do you know all the different demands that are on my time and all the major things that are taking up my head space and my heart space right now? To which I would say to us and to me in love and grace and truth is that if we are too busy to soak our hearts in the word, we are too busy. We're too busy. We're too busy because if we fail to soak our hearts in the word and communicate, he communicates to us through his word. We communicate to him in prayer. It's two way conversation. We pray. We listen. If we don't soak our hearts, here's what we say, even though we may not be meaning it. We will be saying, God, I've got this. We say, God, I have enough wisdom to, to, make, to, to, to make the wise choice. I have enough power to do the right thing here. I've got this. When I think deep down, if we're all transparent, I don't got nothing. <laughs> I need Jesus. I need the Holy Spirit to, to, to fill my heart and my mind. And I need His power desperately to put one foot in front of the next. And so we need to be a dependent people soaking in the Word. Soaking in the Word. Verse 4 says, And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a, many great, as did a great many of devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. In other words, a lot of folks are coming to Christ. Verse 5, But the Jews... We're jealous and taking some wicked men of the rabble, which is a, not a nice thing to say, not what you want to be called. They formed a mob. They set the city in an uproar and they attacked the house of Jason, seeking them to bring out the crowd. Some accept, many accepted. I pray every single Sunday that somebody will accept Christ. I pray every single Sunday. I pray daily. Some are going to accept. Some are going to reject. Some are going to reject. We're going to see that. Just this past week, we're in Honduras. It was incredible. By the way, again, in case I didn't, you didn't hear the first time, go ahead and get that passport. All right. Be, be prayed up. Be ready to roll. But here's, here's, what it looked, looked, here's what it looked like. We got in teams of six. And we had a medical professional. We had, uh, we had someone who was... Going to at least be leaned in on the kids. To, there were kids all over the place. And then somebody who would be ready to share the, the gospel. Somebody to reason from the scriptures. And, and, and those teams, they all, we all did everything. So it wasn't like you can only do this. Like, like, but we had, we, we had a partnership with a local church down there. Church of the, church of the True Vine, Pastor Vine. So they had church members with us, translators. And so we go into these homes. And it was amazing. And, and just to praise the Lord in those... Days of ministry, 86 professions of faith, uh, 708 uh, medical patients were seen, 3,600 prescriptions filled. Um, we had a dental team, 120 extractions, uh, and 80 folks, 216 Bibles given away, tracks all over the place. Um, I mean, praise the Lord for the work. And we, we went, we were just hands and feet, God did the work, but, but many rejected like, I remember it was the first day, I think it was Monday morning, went out with our team. It was the very first home we went to, very humble homes that we go to. And, and this home we went to was a two-room two house. One side of the house was a bar for the, the, the locals there, and the other house was where they went to sleep. 
And I stood there in the door frame and, and the medical professionals did what the medical professionals did. Praise the Lord for them. <laughs> Able to meet some physical need there. Kids got loved on, loved on in the name of Jesus and heard the, the story of Jesus. And, and then the conversation with, with this lady who was running this bar out of her home. And we reasoned from the Scriptures. We had a discussion from the Scriptures. We shared the Scriptures and, and, and pleaded in, from the Scriptures. And, and I will never forget, in her Spanish, she looked at me straight in the eyes and she said, I know what you're saying is true, but I am not ready. I know what you're saying is true. I need to get some things right in my life first. And we pleaded and we reasoned and she rejected. But let me just encourage you in the room. If you are waiting and holding out on giving Jesus everything and surrendering your heart as Lord, if you're waiting till you get everything straight before you come to Him, you will be waiting until it's too late. And so hear the grace and the love and the care of the Lord in that pursuit. And as you share, some are going to accept, some are going to reject. But our responsibility is to share with those gospel conversations. Verse 6 says, And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, and I love this, I love this, this verse, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here too. From a gathering of 120 in the upper room in Jerusalem to turning the world upside down. Down. And I mentioned this a moment ago, and they're not turning the world upside down, they're actually turning it right side up. They're turning it right side up. When Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he said, Pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I love this passage because it's encouraging that in a short amount of time, what the power of the gospel can do and faithful witnesses for him and so what about us? What about you? What about me? You're like, can we turn all the branch upside down? <laughs> can we turn our communities upside down? A couple weeks ago, I was at uh, the Southern Baptist Convention, and um, many of you know um, Tony Evans. I mean, he's just phenomenal, just an incredible pastor, preacher. Uh, I love, I love that brother, just anointed. And he reminded us, is a room full of pastors who was reminding, he was like, you know, can, can a few people really, really change, change the world? And he said, he said, I want you to think back to where you were on September 11th of 2001. And for my generation, I mean, that was kind of one of the marks. Where were you? Perhaps you weren't born yet, but if you were and you had any type of, you know, Memory, you remember that day. I remember it so well. I was sitting in an insurance cube, uh, in a cubicle in an insurance company in Atlanta, Georgia, and and as this news was rolling out, he reminded us that a handful of men brought an entire nation to its knees, all in the name of a false god. And then in that, how much more can an army of believers surrendered and yielded to the Holy Spirit? filled with His Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, faithfully sharing the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, how much more can we turn our community right side up for the kingdom of God? This, this is His call. This is what we have come in the name of Jesus to 
turn this world right side up. A third commitment or mark of a world-changing face is a commitment to take a posture of a servant. Committed to take a posture of a servant. Verse 6 says, And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar. And listen to this, saying, there is another king. There's another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Matthew 6, Jesus says, He's teaching us how to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done. When Jesus is before Pilate, and He's being tried before Pilate, prior to being crucified on the cross, listen to what Pilate said in John 18, 35. Pilate said, am I a Jew? He's talking to Jesus, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God. It's an already not yet type of truth. And that there will be a day where Christ will reign supreme. And yet as believers in this broken place. When we live yielded to the leadership of the Lordship of Christ. And under His rule and reign. We are bringing the kingdom of God to earth. And so it's. Two kingdoms, the kingdom of God, a kingdom of darkness. Kingdom of God is the rule and reign of Christ. The kingdom of darkness is everything else. It's everything else. Citizens of a kingdom take on the attributes of their king. King Jesus says this, I have come not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. It's been said, and I love the, the saying, you're never more like Jesus than when you are serving. And so a faith that changes the, word, changes the world serves the world. I'm not saying being walked over. I'm saying that we're called to be servants. And if I'm thinking, if anybody were to ask me, hey, what do you think are the two most important characteristics of a good leader? I would say this. Number one, a good leader knows how to follow. And when I say follow, I'm talking about follow King Jesus. A good leader knows how to follow, and a good leader seeks to serve those that they're striving to lead. Servant leadership. Christ is our model. The way up is down. And so we see there from, from Thessalonica, verse 10, wrapping up this morning. The Bible says that the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. And now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. And they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. To which I'll just say real quick, God help us to be a Berean people. Like, that you would never take anything I say, but rather with eagerness, seek the scriptures. Seek the scriptures with eagerness. Examine the scriptures they were doing that daily to see if these things were so. Verse 12, many of them therefore believed. And not a few Greek women of high standing and men as well. So many people coming to faith in Christ. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God has 
proclaimed by Paul at Berea also. They came there too, agitating, stirring up the crowds. And then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea. But Silas and Timothy remained there. And then those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens. That's where we'll be next week. And after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they, they departed. You see this, this, this life of mission. And you see this mission of Paul. And yet as believers, we are called to this life of mission. And in this kind of marks of, of world-changing faith, there's one more that I want to I point out, and that is this. A fourth mark of world-changing faith is a commitment to make disciples who make disciples. And, you know, it's probably like we just finished reading verse 15, told you we were going to be through verses 1 through 15, so where, where is that in the text? But if we were to go back to that passage that I read as we started our morning, the, the letter that Paul will write in a, in, a little, in a little ways from now that we're reading, he writes a letter back to the Thessalonians, back to this church, which, by the way, was planted after three weeks. <laughs> How long does it take to plant a church? Here it took three weeks. Paul went in three weeks and reasoned from the Scriptures on three Sabbath days. And we have the church in Thessalonica is birthed. And it flourishes. And Paul writes this letter. I want to read it one more time. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. Paul is writing back to this church that we just read how it was birthed. He says this, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father our work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus. Our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. Which I just want to say, your life matters. You have an impact that you might not even realize that you have an impact. Your, every life has a ripple effect. Every life, your life counts. Verse 6, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all believers. In Macedonia, it didn't stay there. That's what I want to see. It didn't stay there. In Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, I love this, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we not need say anything. In other words, the, 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 the plan for the church wasn't, okay, we have a group of believers. Now let's, let's meet weekly and let's gather right here and let's just, let's keep it right here. Let's keep it right here. No, like God's rescued us. To, to be a people who gather to be equipped with the Word and encouraged and can find that community with, with brothers and sisters in Christ and from that, go into the communities and share the good news about Jesus. That's the plan of His church. God's design for the church is that every church is a church-planting church. Every church a church-planting church. How in the world did the gospel spread out of Macedonia and out of Achaia and... and, and and everywhere, 
It's because they were, they were investing themselves in disciples who were making disciples who were going to share the good news about Jesus with others. And I shared this in the first service, and I just share it just as a kind of planting a seed. But I do, like, I'm so thankful that we've began a partnership with a brand new church plant in Cincinnati with the Howard family. I'm so thankful that now for the third year in a row, God has graciously seen that we would partner with a local church and a local pastor and pastor Yvonne down in La Paterique, Honduras, who has a vision for planting other churches. That there will be a day where we will have a commissioning service of some sort and could be that God raises up a team that says we, the Spirit of God has put the call of God on our lives to plant a church in and let the Holy Spirit fill in the blank. I pray we'll be able to see that. And we see this gospel message ripple out, out of Olive Branch and into our surrounding community. But they made disciples who made disciples who made disciples. And so I close just by asking this question that I ask myself. What's your step? For every single person, as we bring ourselves under the word, there's always a response. It's never a time where we where we gather in the word and just be like, okay, like pack it up and let's go eat lunch. Although I'm like lunch, we need to eat at lunchtime. So, all right, so we're going to do that. Um, but, but I say that to say this. I say that there is always a response. And if we never quiet our hearts and still our hearts long enough to ask this question, Holy Spirit, what in my life, what step are you calling me to make? He will be faithful to reveal. And then here's the, here's the, the best part. Like then, like you don't do that in your own strength. His Holy Spirit empowers you to take that step, whatever that might be. And so may we be a people who are marked by a world-changing faith. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this blessing. Thank you for the blessing to gather. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for Paul. God, I'm so encouraged and challenged by his faith. But God, Paul would be the first one to say, it's not I. But Christ lives in me. But the only way that he would be able to carry out the, the purpose that you have for his life is, is with your strength. That's what he told us. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so God, may we be encouraged this morning. May as your church we be stirred up in unity around your mission. And may we be a people marked with world-changing faith, and Father, we know that it starts with a step. So whatever that step is, for every seeking heart in the room, would you show yourself faithful to show that step, and then the encouragement to take that step. It could be something that, that, that we've been putting off and putting off and putting off. I know I need to do that. I know I need to do that. I know, like, like today's the day. Today's the day, God, by your grace, in your spirit, and Father, I pray too for that person who may be here who does not have a relationship with you. Like if the question came, tell me about your relationship with Jesus, there would really not be anything to say. And so Father, for, for that heart, I pray they are encouraged today because the gospel has come to their heart today. Maybe for the hundredth time, 
And Father, I just pray that their hearts would be receptive to your love and to your grace. And Father, that perhaps today is the day of salvation. Will they acknowledge their sin, admit their need for you, repent and change their mind about their sin, and turn to you. Place their faith and trust in you, God. We've heard from the scriptures, Lord, that you, you, God, you so love the world that you gave your one and only son that whosoever believes in you will not perish, but have everlasting life. That you lived a perfect life, a life we could never live. You were crucified on a cross. You absorbed the wrath of your, your wrath against sin. You took it for us placed your body in a tomb and you resurrected from the dead on the third day proving you alone you alone you alone have the power to forgive sin and to rescue us from ourselves god i pray that if there's anybody today that needs to take that bold step of salvation that today would be that day so father we love you and we praise you and may we be faithful with that step in jesus name Amen, amen. We're going to have a, just a time of response. We just want to let you know. We're going to have pastors here. If there would be anybody that you would want to pray over you, encourage you, we would love to do that. Just feel that freedom. But let's give our hearts to the Lord in this time.